Revelation chapter 2. Getting to the word here, starting in verse 12, we're continuing our series entitled uh, Dear Church, where we're walking through the seven churches of Revelation uh, and uh, and walking through the word that uh, the Lord has for us within those uh, churches. Uh, we talked uh, two weeks ago about uh, the church at Ephesus, right? How how we uh, shouldn't lose our first love. Man, we got to get back to our first love. Got to get back to it. Uh, secondly, uh, last week, Brother Ben preached on uh, being faithful, continuing to be faithful to the end. Uh, we looked at uh, uh, the second church that was there, the church at Smyrna. Uh, and then this week, we're looking at the church at Pergamum, uh, church at Pergamum. So Revelation chapter 2, uh, verse 12, we're going to read through verse 17. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there uh, this morning. All right. Amen. And if you uh, need a uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, the verses will be on the screen there and you can follow along there. This is what the word of the Lord says. Verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write. The words of him who has the sharp two edged sword, Christ here. Verse 13, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast to my name and you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you were Satan Dwells. Jesus, right, is giving a, a word of encouragement to uh, the folks that are in this church here in Pergamum. Man, they're in a tough place, right, but they chose to stand even though, man, they saw one of their own uh, murdered for the faith. Then verse, th- uh, verse 14, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak, to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. We'll speak to the specifics of that, Balaam and Balak. Uh, we see them in the book of Numbers there, and we'll talk more about that here uh, in a second. So, also, you have some within the church who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. And then verse 17, he who has an ear, let him hear. Remember, I said this two weeks ago, uh, whenever we see that statement, it moves from uh, talking to the church in large to talking to individuals within the church. And so it's a good reminder for us that this word is for us right now here in this room. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives. I'm speaking on this subject this morning entitled Don't Don't Be a Sellout. Don't be a sellout. Why don't we pray together? God, we love you. We do thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for uh, worship today, Lord, and uh, God, the opportunity to be able to lift your name high. Lord, I pray over these next few moments that you would speak to us. God, have your way uh, in this place, Lord. Do what only you can do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. There's a story in the Old Testament you can find it in 1 Kings chapter 21 about a, a man named Naboth. 
Uh, Naboth, it's the only time we see him in all the scripture, but uh, he is uh, living in the land of Israel, right? And his house, his land is right next to uh, the palace of uh, the wicked king Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel. You've probably heard of them before. He's living there, right? And Ahab and Jezebel are like, man, that's prime property. Hey, Naboth, why don't you go ahead and sell that land to us, man? Give us that land, you know? And, and Naboth said, man, I can't help you, king, right? For the word says that because this land is an inheritance from my ancestors, from my family, I can't sell it to you. That'd be dishonoring to God. And Ahab and Jezebel said, hey, but listen, we're the king and the queen. It doesn't matter. Hey, you'll be all right. God will forgive you. You know, in those words, that's Irvin Wassel translation. It got to forgive you. Take care. But he said, no, I, I can't sell it. This land is not for sale. And we see that King Ahab goes back to his palace, has a little hissy fit, right? Gets all sad, starts complaining. And Jezebel said, you know what? I'll take matters into my own hands. Sends a a note out to have Naboth killed. And he ends up getting killed because he won't sell that little piece of land. Here's what Naboth decided, right? He said that the, the land, but more importantly, right, his faith was not for sale. He said, you know what? I'm not gonna sell out God. I'm not gonna sell out my conviction. Right over just a couple of, uh, 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 you know, pieces of silver, a couple of, uh, of uh, articles of, of money. I'm not going to sell out, but I'm going to choose to be sold out and be all in for him. And friends, that's the call that God has placed in our heart, in our life. That's the call that we ought to walk in today. Hey, instead of choosing to sell God out, right, choose to be sold out to him. And that's the call that he gives us here in Revelation chapter 2 to the church at Pergamum, right? Again, going back to the context of what's going on in the first century, Pergamum, man, was a happening place, happening place, similar to the other two places that we looked at there in Asia Minor. Had a lot going, right? But with a lot going, man, there, hey, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff that wasn't glorifying God that was happening in that place. And so the call for the church at Pergamum was to choose to stand for Jesus, And choose to be a witness for him in that place. Even though, man, it was tough. And for the most part, the people did. People did. But we see what happened was, we'll talk more about this in a second, that there were some some false teachers, some counterfeits that slipped into the life of the church, started teaching this false doctrine, started saying, hey, it's all right, man, God will forgive you. Man, hey, you you could live how you feel. What was called, you know, what's called syncretism, right? Uh, uh, blending of religions. Hey, you can follow God, but also, man, you can follow all these different other doctrines that are, aren't a part of God. All this stuff was happening. And God challenges the people there and challenges us in the same way. Hey, to choose not to be a sellout. Choose not to be a sellout, but be sold out to him. Let me go ahead and ask a question right off the rip. Man, hey, what are you selling out God for? Are you selling out God for, man, your pleasure, your, your, your comforts? Are you selling God out, you know, to, to, uh, to appease, you know, your, your feelings? Oh, are, are you selling God out for stuff that may be good? Selling God out for, for your kids? Hey, listen, I, hey, I love my kids. Gotta be alright, man, if, if, if we choose to do all these things and, and neglect, you know, pouring into them, pouring, pouring in spiritual things. We neglect come, you know, coming to church or, or neglect getting plugged in. Listen, what are you selling God out for? Hey, friends, don't be a sellout, but rather choose to be sold out to him. Real quick, here in the scriptures, man, we see three ways that we are able to be sold out 
for Jesus, man, in these last days uh, that we find ourselves in. Three ways that we're able to be sold out. The first way we see here in the scripture is this. In order for us to be sold out, which, by the way, if you need definition for that, hey, it's to choose not to compromise your convictions. Right. Hey, choose to be one that that says, you know what, no matter what's going on in and around me, I'm going to choose, man, to be all in for Jesus. Choose that for him. The first way that we're able to do that is, man, to resolve to stand for the Lord. Resolve to make the decision to stand for the Lord. And that's what the people did here. In Pergamum, man, persecution was running rampant both within the church, but also without it. The pressure to uh, uh, fall into paganism, worshiping other idols, man, was was in effect. The pressure to uh, worship uh, Caesar as Lord was was in effect. All these different pressures. Right. Which led to persecution. All this stuff was, man, at their back. But they said, you know what? We're going to resolve to stand for him. And in the context of the scripture here, Jesus commends them for that. Even though they lost one of their close friends, even though one of, one of the guys that, that was key in that church. Man, even though his life was taken, they resolved to stay to stand for the Lord. And the call for us, friend, is to do the same, to do the same, to stand for the Lord in the midst of this broken world. We don't have to look far to know and see that, man, we are in a broken place, a broken world. All the stuff that's happening in our world. But we have to choose to have the resolve. To stand for him. What does that look like? First John 2, 15 through 17. It, it says it like this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world and verse 17 and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides for ever. Man, the way that we resolve to stand for the Lord is to choose not to love the world. I'll just keep it. I'll just be real with you. Hey, a lot of times the reason why I struggle to stand for the Lord. Right. Is because, hey, I'm in a season where I love the world too much. Hey, hey, I, I, I love, you know, myself. The, 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 I love, man, the, the lust of the eyes, man, the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I, I love all those things too much. And so in order for us, right, to, to be folks that say, you know, we're going to stand for God, even though all this stuff's happening in and around us, it's to make the decision to, to lay those loves for self, lay those loves for pleasure, lay those loves for the stuff of the world down at his feet. And choose, man, to resolve to say, Jesus, hey, you're enough. You're enough. Man, hey, I, I know, man, whatever that is, hey, looks appeasing. Listen, hey, I, I know, man, that, that desire to simply say, hey, here, here it is. It's just one look, fellas. Hey, it, hey, man, it's just a simple text message exchange, ladies. It's, hey, it's just, instead of and falling victim to the lustful pleasure. Man, you got to choose to lay that stuff down. Choose to lay that stuff down. Man, in order to stand for the Lord, you got to choose, man, to not love the world. What does that look like in our context? It's put 
like this, right? The call for us as Christians, right, is uh, not to be Christ with culture, right, but to choose to be Christ in the culture. We're called to be folks that are distinct, different, set apart. That's what the Bible says. And so even though we're in the midst of this culture, the call for us is to choose, man, to be distinct. And walk differently than culture. Real quick, how do we do that? What does it look like to resolve, to stand for uh, the Lord? Yes, it looks like us choosing not to love the world, but also it looks like this, choosing to be folks that stand in prayer. Stand in prayer. Hey, this call to love the world, or this call to not love the world is not something that we can do, man, in our own flesh. We can't do it. In our own vice, I don't care how good you are. I don't care how how long you've been in church. But I don't care how much theology you know. In your own flesh, you can't, you can't, you cannot love the world because we still got this old flesh on. And so the call for us is to ask the Lord for help. Once we lay down, right, our desires, it's to ask for the Lord to help us. It's to stand with Him in prayer. Ephesians six eighteen. This is what it says. Paul says this. He's talking about the uh, uh, the uh, armor of God, right? He says this. We've got to choose, man, to pray at all times. Praying at all times. Put all this armor on, but and then our response is to to be prayerful at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To this, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Hey, we've got to choose to stand in prayer. Here it is. I put I put it to you simply like this. Hey, how do we resolve to stand for the Lord? What does it look like? It looks like us choosing to lean on the everlasting arms. Y'all remember that old song? Hey, talking about, you know, praying, man, the call for us is to lean on the everlasting arms. Oh, what a fellowship. What a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness. What a peace is mine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. We've got to choose to lean in on Jesus. Hey, some of you, man, the issue is you're, like, you're, you're trying to do it all on your own. You think because, yeah, you come to church, you know, enough, you're, you're good to go. But, man, you got to lean in on the Lord. Got to lean on the Lord. It looks like us standing in prayer, firstly. But secondly, it looks like this. We've got to choose to stand with others. Choose to stand with others. Hey, resolving to stand for the Lord, man, it, it can't be done on its own. Can I be honest with you? Some of us in here, the reason why we're struggling, right? We're struggling to have resolve to stand for God is because we're trying to do it by ourselves. The, the reality is we need one another. We need community. Hebrews 12, 12, right? It, it says this. Let me turn there. Hebrews 12, 12. It says it this way. <clears throat> it says this. Therefore, lift your drooping hands. And strengthen your weak knees. That word strengthen there, right, is in uh, the plural form. It's, it's a plural command. So it's speaking to a multiplicity of people, those that are within the church. And it speaks to this idea of together, lift one another up. Together, encourage one another. Together, walk this Christian life together. We need each Others stand with others. Hey, here's a question for us. I've heard it said like this before. But fellas in here, who's that? Brother in Christ. 
when you find yourself in the midst of temptation and being willing to, to sell God out that you can give a call to and you know that they'll answer and encourage you, whether it be at 2 p.m. or 2 a.m. Sister in the Lord, hey, who's that fellow sister in Christ that you can reach out to whenever you find yourself at, at a breaking point? Listen, if you don't have that person, man, let me encourage you. Find them. Find them. We need each other. We've got to choose to stand with others. Stand with others. Listen, friend, we've got to first and foremost resolve to stand for the Lord. Secondly, the way that we choose not to sell God out is to resolve to seek the truth. Resolve to seek the truth. Go back to the text here, verse 14 and 15 of Revelation chapter 2. Man, the Christ commands the church, man, for standing in this difficult place. But then verse 14, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to be a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. The rebuke that came here stemmed from counterfeits, false teachers stepping into the life of the church and teaching this false doctrine that folks came to believe in, which ended up getting them in a mess, ended up finding themselves in a mess. And here's the thing. The way that you're able to notice a counterfeit within the life of the church is to know and understand the real thing. It's to see the truth, to know the truth. And so for us, the response is to choose to seek the truth. Heard a story one time, uh, read, read it this week. I can't remember the location. I wish I put it down here in my notes. But uh, th- there was a small little town where a guy stepped in, right? He stepped into a gas station and went to pay, you know, for, for some food, some groceries or something there, you know, a little something. And he paid with like a, I believe it was like a $200 bill, something straight, $200 bill with, uh, it might have been President Bush. President Bush was on the, the cover of it, you know, and didn't no red flags. The, the person at the cash register accepted it, you know, and, and ended up moving on with his life. See, here's the thing. He, he didn't know that it was a counterfeit because, man, I guess he wasn't aware of the monetary system. I don't know how you're not aware. You learned that from kindergarten on that there's no two hundred dollar bills. But that's neither here nor there. But he wasn't aware of what was happening because he didn't know the truth of. Right. The monetary system that was there. And so he ended up getting duped. Listen, friends, we've got to choose to be people that seek the truth, resolve to seek the truth. That is uh, here within the scripture, here within the scripture. Real quick, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, the false teaching that was happening there. The, The teaching of Balaam and the teaching of the Nicolaitans, they were pretty similar. Teaching of Balaam, if you look back in the book of Numbers, right, he was trying to bribe. Right. Or he was being bribed a little bit of both. Right. Uh, bribing the people of Israel to, to choose to turn their backs against God. Right. I mean, he sold God out himself. But he ended up, you know, teaching that, hey, it's OK, man, to, to choose to follow your, your feelings. It's OK to choose to live for yourself. Right. In, in a sense, God will forgive you. You're all right. It's all good. And Nicolaitans, they were teaching something similar. Right. In the context of the New Testament there, they taught, hey. You can do whatever you want in this life because, man, this body is only temporary. We're going to we're going to 
get rid of it one day. And so, man, you can live however you want, do whatever you want. If you're in Christ, hey, oh, here it is. You're eternally secure. So you can do whatever you want. And a lot of folks fell victim to that. And it, the way that they responded, man, it led to how they lived. And they found themselves in a mess. You may say, Pastor Irv, man, we don't have any of that going on here in the church. Well, that, in the church in large, sadly, there is a wave of, right, really two different thoughts here. I mean, I'll go ahead and lay that out for you. There's two different thoughts that you may struggle with. And you may lean in one way or the other. You may be person A that leans into, right, uh, what is called uh, liberalism, where you say, okay, man, you know, Christ, man, he, he's, he's about love. He's all love. And so really, at the end of the day, man, it, it's okay if that person wants to live for, for themselves. It, it's okay if that person has that certain thought or viewpoint on marriage and, and sexuality. That, that may not line up with Scripture. Man, God, hey, God loves them anyway. It's okay if that person, man, lives a certain way. It's, that's cool. And I'm not just picking on, I'm just not, not just picking on that topic. I'm just talking about it in general. In your mind, you think, hey, listen, because we need to reach culture, man, let's just be like it. So there's that side. Then you got the other side, which is equally as dangerous. It's called legalism. Might have heard of it before. Where it's totally on the opposite side. You say, all right, you know, God calls for us to be holy. And so I'm going to implement all these different laws and rules. And hey, if somebody doesn't, hey, if somebody doesn't measure up to my standard of how I live, then man, they, hey, they, they ain't really right with God. They ain't really holy. Man, hey, the Bible speaks against both of those. Legalism, right? Jesus himself said, hey, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven was legalism, adding a bunch of rules and, and, and thoughts and commands to try and make yourself more, more holy. Doing all these certain things to try and get you more right with God. And he also speaks to liberalism in the sense that, man, no, we're called to be set apart, called to be different, as I mentioned earlier. So so what's the, the middle ground? What's the middle ground where well, we see it exemplified in Jesus himself? John 1, 12. I don't have this uh, scripture written down here on the screen here, but I'll read it for you. John 1, 12. This is the call for us and how we ought to live. Uh, John 1, 14, I should say. And the word, talking about Jesus, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. Here it is, full of grace and truth, grace and truth. The call for us as believers, right, is understand that we're called to seek the truth. And whenever we seek the truth and know the truth, we will live lives that are full of grace and truth. Live lives that where we say, okay, we love, man, people wherever they are. But we love them so, so, so that they can understand and come to the knowledge of the truth that we've experienced in Christ Jesus. We understand whenever we, we, man, seek out the truth, man, instead of the Lord, that, that we see that, okay, man, we, we know what the truth is. But we're not going to be folks that simply spew it out. You know those folks with the mega horns, you know, the, uh, out in the street? Hey, that say, you know, turn or burn. No, no, hey, we're going to be tactful and loving because, man, we, we want to establish a relationship with that person so they can come to know him. Listen, the call for us is to seek out truth. 
I'm going to go ahead and throw this in free of charge, right? Uh, those who, smart folks in the room, if you will. It, it, it's simply this, understanding that right doctrine or orthodoxy, the fancy word for that, equates to right practice or the practice. Right doctrine, knowing the truth, understanding the truth of who God is, man, leads to right living. And so we've got to be folks that seek out the truth. Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Here it is. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, friends, we've got to know the word, know the truth. Seek out truth. And then thirdly and lastly, right, how do we be folks that that don't sell God out? Thirdly and lastly is this. We've got to choose to be folks that resolve to be sold out for him. Verse 16 and 17. Go back to it. I'm all all over in my Bible, man. I'm flipping right and left. I'm I'm glad I was a part of junior Bible quizzes as a kid. You know where my words are. Know where my books are. Verse 16 and 17. Look what it says. Therefore, church, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone. With a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Resolve to be sold out to the Lord. Why? Hey, man, because there's great value in being sold out to him. It speaks of it here. Hey, the one who conquers. Hey, by the way, those of us in here who are in Christ, we are more than conquerors, the Bible says. Those of us who are in Christ, we are more than conquerors. The ones who have conquered. Man, this is what the Lord provides. He speaks of, speaks of hidden manna. He speaks of a white stone with a new name written on the stone. Right? He speaks of all the benefits, all the provision that, man, we receive in knowing Him and being sold out to Him. He first off speaks of hidden manna and, and that represents uh, provision. Provision. Provision that is everlasting. And the, uh, primary context of this, it speaks of the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, which one day those of us in Christ will be a part of, the wedding feast, where we'll be dining with uh, the Lord and fellow believers in glory one day. Can't wait for that day. It's going to be awesome. But also it's speaking to, you know, in, in, in uh, the secondary context right of this reality of God being able to satisfy all of our needs, to be able to take care of us. And most importantly, not just our, our uh, physical needs, but our spiritual needs. He provided that. And those of us in Christ are wealthy. We're rich. Brother Bill, I, I've, I've I met folks. I don't know them by name, but I, I've met plenty of folks, right, that may live in, ho- in shelters that are homeless, that are some of the richest people on the planet. Hey, because their spiritual need has been met. And in the same way, I've met folks that live in penthouses. That, and man, that, that live, you know, up in a palatial estate somewhere far away. That are some of the poorest. Man, because 
Their biggest need hadn't been met. At the end of the day, it's not all about, man, the stuff that we possess. It's about who possesses you. Who possesses you? And so we've got to understand, right, those of us in Christ, that we are possessed by the Lord. And, man, that's our life now. But for those of us in here who don't know him, you've got to know provisions available in choosing to turn from your sin and trust in him. Psalm 37, verse 5 and 6 says this. Because, man, the Lord possesses us, the resp- our response ought to be to choose to commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. Listen, resolve to be sold out to the Lord, man, because we have experienced eternal provision. But then secondly and lastly, is this, hey, resolve uh, to be sold out to the Lord, man, because we have a new identity. That white stone, right, uh, it speaks to uh, uh, acquittal, right, that that was oftentimes given to somebody who was acquitted of a crime. Well, bless God, hey, because of Jesus Christ and his uh, finished work, death, burial, and resurrection, hey, we have been acquitted we were criminals, but we've been acquitted of the crime, right? Because Jesus, man, stepped in and paid our punishment. And so it speaks to that. But then also, right, that new name, it speaks to new identity. Aren't you glad in Christ, man, we've, hey, we've got a new identity. Hey, hey we, we've got a new identity. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that, hey, we are a new creature. You've probably heard that verse before. We are a new creature. Old has passed away and the new has come. And with that, man, with that comes forgiveness. Man, with that comes grace and love. Like I've said before and oftentimes, and, I, and I'll continue to say it as long as I have the opportunity to preach, man. May we not never become too, uh, 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 too uh, uh, weary, right, of hearing of the love and grace and mercy that we've received in knowing Jesus. And possessing this new identity. May we never become. May, may the gospel message never become too old to us. At the foot of the cross, man, we have man, a new identity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A new name. Hey, listen, student in here, e- even though, man, you may have friends that have canceled you out because you wanted to stand for God. Bless God. Hey, your name is permanently written on this new stone. Permanently written on the book of life. Hey, child of God in here, you may have family members that have canceled you out, written you off for your faith. Well, bless God. Hey, your name's permanently written in God's book, permanently written on this new stone. And so because of that, man, we ought to resolve to stand for him. Don't sell out, but choose to be sold out to him. Be sold out. I'll uh, end with this. Um, recently read a story uh, about a, a Haitian pastor uh, who shared about an experience. Uh, he had a friend who owned a house that he was uh, looking to sell, uh, and a person that was there expressed interest in uh, the house. And so they talked it over, and the man who was selling the house said, all right, yeah, I'll sell it to you for such and such. I think it was like $2,000. So, you know, first and foremost, this was probably a while back because we know prices aren't like that now. But 
said, I'll sell it to you for $2,000, but under one condition that I, the only thing that I, I have to own in this house is a little hangnail that's right under the doorpost there. And so the guy agreed, like, yeah, heck yeah, that's fine. Well, over time, the previous owner wanted to buy back the house. And the guy that was living there said, no, I, no, I'm good. I mean, I, I love the house. It's fine. And so the previous owner stepped into the house one day and hung up a dead carcass of a fox on the hangnail there and just left. And over time, obviously, you know, it began to stink in that house real bad to the point where it was basically un- unlivable. I mean, unlivable. And the current owner couldn't do anything about it because he didn't own the hangnail. The previous owner did. And so finally, the new owner agreed to sell that house back to him half the, half the price because, man, of that dead carcass being there. And after the Haitian pastor finished telling the story, he, he, he tied it in and said, man, well, what's the point? The point is this. If you choose to give Satan any kind of foothold or any kind of quote-unquote hangnail in your quote-unquote house, if you choose not to resolve to be totally sold out to him but allow for, you know, Satan to have other parts of your life, maybe, you know, in in a body comparison, maybe it's a little toe of your life, but but even if you let him have a little toe, he, he... He's going to stink the whole place up. He's going to stink the whole place up. And you're going to find yourself in a mess. And so the response for us is, instead of choosing to find ourselves in a place where we sell God out for whatever it is under the sun, our response ought to be to choose, man, to be totally sold out to him. Choose to be like what Jesus said to those disciples. Remember, he called a whole bunch of disciples or called a couple of disciples to come follow him. And, man, they had all these excuses in the world. And Jesus said to the last guy, hey, listen, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The call for you is, man, to be full force, both hands, all the way in for him. That ought to be our call. And how do we do that? Resolving to stand for him. Resolving to seek His truth. And resolving to ultimately, man, be sold out. Ten ten toes down. All in for him. Can that be said of you today? Are you all in for him? Or are you like some of these folks that were here in Pergamum, a a counterfeit? Or someone that's just, you know, kind of playing church or trying to figure it out. Let me encourage you. Hey, let's, let's be all in for him.